Hello everyone, this is your video and podcast director, Marina McTee. Today, we have a two-part podcast for you from reporter Riley Levine, who sits down with Lisa Senecal, the chair of the Vermont Commission on Women, to discuss her work and the current and future political landscape of the country. A quick disclaimer, this podcast does discuss the conditions of women's imprisonment and sexual harassment. I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, my name is Riley Levine. I'm here with the Forum at Westminster College. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the chair of the Vermont Commission on Women, the co-founder of the Marin Group, co-host of Lincoln Project TV's Vote for America, and co-host of upcoming show, We're Speaking. On top of all of these things, this is also my mother, so I'd like to welcome Lisa Senecal to our show. Hi, Riley, thanks for having me. Of course. So. Uh, as most can tell, you had a long introduction, so I think that we should start by breaking down all of those positions and giving you the opportunity to talk about what you do in each one of your roles. So we'll start with your role as the chair uh, of the Vermont Commission on Women. Uh, so what do you do in that role and what does the commission do? Uh, the commission uh has 16 commissioners from around the state of Vermont who are appointed by different authorities. Um, I was appointed by the governor of Vermont a couple of years ago, and then last year I was voted uh, by the commissioners uh, to take over the role as chair. And what the commission does is to work on um, issues of equality for female identifying um, children and adults. So we uh, we work on a lot of data collection, um, making sure we're providing information that legislators need to be able to craft good legislation and, and make good decisions. Um, and, and we provide a lot of resources directly to women and girls. Great. So um, I've spoken to you a little bit about work that you've done at the women's prison in Vermont. Um, I'm wondering if you'd like to tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, criminal justice reform and, and prison reform has been a, a big um, priority for the Women's Commission for more than a decade now. The, the Women's Correctional Facility uh, in Chittenden County in Burlington, Vermont, is, um, it is in a terrible state of disrepair. It was never envisioned to house women or to house as many women. Uh, it, as many people as are now incarcerated there. Um, so there are in, incredible problems with, you know, things like sewage bubbling back up into showers and, um, you know, just the condition of the place, it really needs to be closed down. Um, so we're really looking at the, the larger uh, corrections issue, not to just build a new women's prison, but what do we really believe incarceration should be? What is the purpose of it? Um, what, what's the, the best outcome, both for the incarcerated person, their community, um, and the state? And there are, we believe there are better ways than incarcerating women. We also know that most women who end up incarcerated are, are victims of severe trauma. And so we need to be making trauma-informed decisions and doing trauma-informed corrections to make sure uh, you know, people are, are prepared to be able to go out and be uh, full-functioning citizens. And, and a, a lot of these women are mothers. So uh, we are 
we're doing what we can to uh, encourage the powers that be within the state to uh, make the changes in criminal justice that, that we think really need to happen. So how do you go about um, doing that, stoking public and government interest and then implementing the changes that you hope to see? Yeah, we, we do a lot of public um, education and outreach, whether it's doing, you know, interviews on different radio programs or TV programs. We do a lot with social media to try to get the word out about different issues that are happening in the women's prison has been a really important one. Um, and we, uh, we work with the Women's Caucus in the House um, in Vermont to uh, women's corrections has also been a year-long priority for them as well. So we've been working closely with the legislators who are members of that caucus um, to work through any legislative change uh, that's possible to keep moving the ball down the field and get the criminal justice reform for women and, and for the incarcerated men as well. Well, there's a lot to talk about here, but I think that we should move on now to your position at the Marin Group. And um, so, so what is the Marin Group and what do you all do? Uh, the Marin Group is a consulting business uh, that I started with an attorney who's a friend of mine who represented me in a sexual harassment uh, case that I had. And um, after that experience working together and, and everything that I went through, we decided to start this company where we would work with companies to um, try to help them identify the warning signs that um, their organization was sort of ripe for sexual harassment issues to occur. And so we do a lot of, you know, looking through corporate records, just um, seeing where uh, at what, what level of company women are hired, how high they get, if women seem to always be leaving a particular department after a certain amount of time. There are just different warning signs that you can see in a lot of the data that, that companies collect and, and don't even realize that, that they have the information that they need. Um, so we'll work with those companies and then we'll, we'll connect them up with real educational and training uh, opportunities uh, that that need to be top to bottom. The, uh, the C-level folks in the organization um, all the way to interns need to be fully invested in creating a healthy workplace. So do you find that the resources for, um, the, for educating people are there? Are those abundant? There's a lot of resources now that, that you can reach out to or would you hope to see more? Yeah, they're getting better. Um, a, a lot of the problem is changing the whole culture of what sexual harassment training is for. Um, when it was first created, it, it, was, it was really created to limit legal liability. So businesses could say that we've done these trainings and they can check a box. And then if there's a problem, they can say, well, we did the trainings and reduce their liability. But, but the, the shift that happened after the Me Too movement was realizing that this really needs to be a lot more about um, protecting the employees, but also protecting the value of the company. Um, when you have these issues happening, especially in a public company and the issues go public, 
you are reducing the overall value of your company. And when you have this kind of dysfunction happening inside the company, um, you can't be as successful in either your mission or in your profitability. Um, so yeah, the training resources are, are getting a whole lot better because they're more, um, they're more attuned to what the right goal should be and not just trying to protect companies from lawsuits. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with companies that might not be as apt as others to make the changes, take the steps that you hope to see them take when working with the Marin Group, how do you sell this to companies with people who uh, aren't necessarily on board or understanding of uh, what you're hoping to see change or your overall message? Um, you can usually find a dedicated group of, of people within an organization who um, the decision makers care about their opinions. Um, and there are different ways to, um, to show the value of this work to whoever it is who's going to invest in it. Some people are really moved by a desire to take care of their employees and create that healthy environment uh, for people to come to work in and, and that they're going to enjoy. Some people want to be able to maximize the productivity that they're going to get out of people. And when you start showing them the data around um, reduced productivity and how much turnover you have and how much you know, turnover costs a company when you have to go out and recruit and retrain and you have all that downtime in different positions, um, reputations start to get out about companies and you have a more difficult time getting really good talent to join your organization if the word on the street is that you have a sexual harassment problem inside your company and and it reduces your ability to have diversity within your organization and it studies now show that companies that have diversity top to bottom both racial and gender diversity are more successful more profitable companies than the ones who don't you just you have more different people with different ways of thinking and you know we didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it in the past but now when you think about it it makes sense um, the more different ways you have to approach um, whether you're marketing or you're problem solving or you're creating products uh, the more people you have at the table who have different perspectives and backgrounds uh, looking at all these different things the the more creativity you're going to have uh, within the organization, the ability to be successful increases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great to see that there's numbers now to, to prove how this progressive shift yes. actually, you know, is making a positive impact in not only in a social sector, but now you can take actual numbers and show people the, the vast positive impact. So I guess with that, we'll move on to uh, the political work that you do. So um, what is Vote for America? And uh, how do you go about picking topics for the show? And what is, um, what, what is the style of the show? Okay. Um, Vote for America is a production of LPTV, which is Lincoln Project Television. And the Lincoln Project was a, a group basically of disaffected Republicans um, uh, professionals, political consultants, creative people, polling folks, um, who have all become so disillusioned 
with the Republican Party that they decided that they needed to commit all their time and effort to electing Joe Biden. And fortunately, that's, you know, that's what ended up happening. And I, I think I think the whole world will be better for that outcome. Um, so part of what they're doing is finding different creative ways. They did a lot of um, uh, creating advertising and doing a lot of social media messaging during the campaign season. And they started a couple of shows. There's one show called The Breakdown that's a nighttime show. And then there um, was a daytime show called Vote for America uh, that I co-hosted. And the, the goal of that show was primarily to reach college-educated suburban women. Um, the Lincoln Project had identified that demographic as being a potential group that could be moved from supporting Donald Trump over to supporting the Biden-Harris ticket. And so the, the topics that we talked about were, um, you know, uh, racial issues, um, a lot of gender issues, because certainly, you know, Donald Trump has a problem with women. Um, he has a problem with racial minorities. And, and he, he really created a situation during this campaign where to be associated with supporting Donald Trump, um, he, had, he had made it um, the, the obvious accusation to make that if you support him, you support his ideas and he's a racist. And there are an awful lot of people living in the suburbs who don't, they either truly are not racist or they certainly don't want to think of themselves that way. I mean, I think we all carry implicit bias and, and you know, not being racist isn't enough. We all need to be working to be anti-racist. But, but those, those folks, uh, Donald Trump had a very 1950s view of the suburbs where they were white and homogenous and um, much more conservative and really uh, racist. They, they didn't want their kids associating with people of different races and ethnicities and, um, and they didn't socialize that way. Well, that's not what the suburbs look like anymore. They're, they're integrated and you know, the, the uh, friends that most people's kids have now are, you know, they're a, a rainbow of colors. And that, that is, so Donald Trump's attempt to scare people into being afraid of black people moving into the suburbs was not successful. And we really wanted to um, make sure those messages were getting to the people, you know, we have a tendency when we're in politics to think that everybody pays as much attention to politics as we do, but people really don't. Um, which is probably healthy. Um, and they don't tune in until much closer to the election. And so we wanted to make sure they understood what Donald Trump's messages were. So we brought a lot of that out through the show. And, and we did a lot of interviews with people who had, in 2016, voted for Donald Trump. And in 2020, had decided they were going to vote for Joe Biden. And um, they were called Lincoln Voters. And um, having those conversations with them and letting people see it, it's okay to change your mind. Um, it doesn't make you disloyal. It makes you a, a thinking person and hopefully a more empathetic person um, and, and more introspective that you're actually thinking about why you're making the decisions that you make. And so we tried to bring those messages and then we really tried to push get out the vote efforts and make sure people were, um, 
getting registered and requesting their mail-in ballots. You know, everyone at this point knows there was a huge increase in people voting by mail um, and voting early in person. So they, they weren't going in on election day and standing in line with lots of people around because of COVID. So we really pushed get out the vote efforts and, and tried to get people registered and voting early. And if they didn't vote early, get them to the polls on election day. And, and fortunately, through a, a combination of a lot of different organizations' efforts and certainly the Biden-Harris campaign, enough of those um, suburban women did change their votes. The, the target number uh, that the Lincoln Project was hope to, hoping to see moved um, was the number that moved was actually about 3% higher than that. So it, it was a, a critical piece in, in the Biden-Harris victory. So that, that was really exciting to see. Yeah, it's, I think it, it's very apparent to our viewers and listeners now just how much analysis goes into all these different groups and different tactics. I think something that a lot of young people are now becoming more aware of and uh, the entire population as a whole in relation to social media in the danger of echo chambers and of, of the media that we're consuming being so specific to uh, how we align ourselves. So how do you go about breaking into the echo chambers and spreading your message to people who won't necessarily see it from the pages they follow or, or the people that, that they listen to? How do you break in and, and spread your message? Yeah, you know, that's, it's really tough work. Um, and, and it's going to be slow to convert a lot of those people. Um, we are in our silos and, and social media, Facebook in particular, has, um, in my opinion, done our democracy a tremendous disservice. Um, between the 2016 campaign and the 2020 campaign, allowing the amount of um, obviously false, uh, inflammatory information uh, to be put out through their website and, and hate speech. I mean, just hateful, dangerous um, stuff that's been pumped out. QAnon conspiracies and, and all sorts of violent extremists have, have used social media uh, to their great advantage. I mean, they, a lot of these groups learned how to radicalize people and it, it's the same process um, that organizations like ISIS used. And so to de-radicalize, that's going to take a long time. And, and some of those aren't the folks that, that we're really focused on because that, that's, a, that's a deeper, more sophisticated long-term strategy um, and, and probably um, some legislation and regulation that's going to need to happen around social media organizations. Um, but we're trying a lot of different creative ways to reach people uh, who might otherwise not be listening. One of the things that we really tried to do with Vote for America was give individuals the, the facts and the data and the messages and, and the confidence to feel informed and be able to talk to their friends and family members. We know that the most influential people in anyone else's lives when it comes to these kind of issues are their family members. And so helping people figure out how to have those difficult conversations and how to prevent, how to present facts um, to people who, who aren't getting facts. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about 
facts and alternative facts, we're talking about facts and lies. And people who are only being fed a diet of lies, um, you, you need to gently start feeding in the truth. And, and hopefully over time, um, and I certainly hope once Biden and Harris take office, there is going to be more uh, truth out in the ecosystem than there has been with Donald Trump having um, the bully pul pulpit of the presidency and um, you know the stranglehold he's had on the Republican Party, which I, I don't think is going to go away quickly. That's uh, you know, there are an awful lot of folks uh, still in office who were complicit with Donald Trump, and that's, you know, that's an effort for 2022 and 2024. Uh, a lot of those people need to be replaced, and that's something the Lincoln Project will be working very hard on. Um, but uh, there, there's incremental work that can be done, and, and a, a lot of it's just putting the truth out there in different platforms that, that people want to see and hear it. So we do podcasts. We um, are going to expand the number of uh, streaming shows that we've been doing from the two shows um, to testing out four different shows and, and seeing where that goes. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll just find new and creative ways to be able to reach those audiences. Listen to the second episode of this podcast to hear the rest of our interview with Lisa Senecal, who works at the Marin Group, is the chair for the Vermont Commission on Women, the host of Vote for America and the host of upcoming show, Worth Speaking, for Lincoln Project TV.